LinkedIn is one of the most affordable ways to find new copywriting clients. But could we use it a bit more effectively than we currently do? Probably, but how? Well, that's what today's podcast is all about. Hello, I'm Bernadette Schwert, and today I'll be interviewing Adam Franklin, one of Australia's most successful LinkedIn coaches. He'll share with us the secrets of how copywriters and marketers, in fact, anyone in business, can use the platform to simply and elegantly convert those casual conversations into new clients. Adam is eminently qualified to be our guest today. He is a professional speaker, university lecturer, and a CEO of Blue Y Media. And some of the accolades he's acquired include being ranked number seven LinkedIn expert in Asia Pacific, number nine on Entrepreneur Magazine's top marketing podcast, and he's been ranked as having Australia's number one business blog. Pretty good stuff. If you'd like to learn more about how you can become a successful copywriter and join a community of other copywriters, get upskilled, find work opportunities and more, take a look at copyclub.com.au, Australia's newest and most exciting copywriting community. Now, if you're already listening to our podcast, please leave a review. We'd love to know what you think. Here's a recent one from Kate Johnston. I'm loving this podcast and the inspiring stories from each guest. They're a great pep up when you need a hit of motivation or to remind yourself why you love copywriting. I listen over coffee before I start my day and the episodes put me in the right frame of mind to tackle my to-do list. Keep up the fab work. Well, thank you, Kate. We appreciate that lovely feedback and you keep up the fab work too. Let's get started. Adam Franklin, you are the legend of LinkedIn. So I am curious, what is it? that led you to being an expert on LinkedIn? How did this journey happen? Yeah. Okay. Look, um, that's a very kind introduction there. Thanks, uh, Bernadette. I, I really think LinkedIn, I mean, it's, I love it because it's the only platform where people in B2B businesses can actually uh, locate and reach out to and connect with um, all the different types of uh ideal clients that you could possibly hope for like everybody on linkedin linkedin tells you what they do the size of their company their work history and so it's very easy from a uh, business development and lead gen point of view to actually um, build relationships build meaningful relationships with with ideal future clients so, so that's why i love it and, and why wouldn't you? You know, it's, it's one of the most um, cost-effective sources of new leads around. But as I'm interested in your background, you know, you're obviously a digital marketing um, legend also, but t- tell us about your background that led you to where you are today. Okay. So what a lot of people don't know, Bernadette, is that I am a biochemist um, originally. I just fell off trade. my chair, Adam. <laughs> I had no idea. I've known you for years and I never knew you were a biochemist. <laughs> I was not expecting yeah. that, but I love it. Keep going. Yeah, I'm a nerdy scientist. So I studied science at university and I really enjoyed it at high school as well. Um, but I majored in biochemistry and this was in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I was really fascinated um, by genetics back then. And back in those days, they were just finishing mapping the human genome. That was the big project in um and sort of global biotech or biochemistry back in those days and that was that was fascinating and that was really interesting to me but I was never a hardcore enough scientist to really picture myself being in a lab coat uh, in a lab for the rest of my life what I did find interesting and useful was being able to sort of translate the science nerd talk 
into talk that normal people could understand. And I think that probably would have been the path that I'd gone down. And I very nearly did go down the path of um, in, pharma in pharmaceuticals. Um, but by that stage, I also appreciated about myself that I loved marketing and I loved the idea of running my own business. And so whilst I was studying to be a biochemist, I was also actually um, doing marketing for nightclubs and essentially running a sort of mini business with, within the business. So we would be um, put in charge of organising certain nights of the week at nightclubs and we would get to keep a percentage of the door sales, the door ticket sales. And so that was a really fun environment. And I sort of thought at one point, well, it's either going to be the science path or the uh, marketing path. And I realized back in those days, look, the, the internet's here. It's here to stay. It's an area where a lot of people, especially business owners, struggle to fully understand. And so I sort of put that um, skill of understanding the sort of techie side of it enough to be able to translate it for a normal sort of business owner and um, started Blue Wire back in 2005. And that was the start of the, the formal digital marketing journey. Mm. I thought you were going to say that you're going to take your pharmaceutical interest and the nightclub interest and create another kind of market, but you didn't go down that track. <laughs> no, no, didn't go down that track. <laughs> I don't think I'd be talking to you right now. You'd probably be on a yacht in the Bahamas on the run potentially. Um, Excellent. So really interesting. And I'm so sort of blown away by that, Adam, because I've known you a long time and I did not know that was your background. So what did you do to educate yourself on marketing? Because I, I agree with you, 2005 was when all the, or around 2004, and all the big, you know, the Facebooks and, um, you know, the uh, the big companies really got their start, like Catch of the Day, you know, the company that I've been associated with through the book that I wrote. All those big e-commerce um, success stories, freelance is another one, you know, um, Kogan's another one, got their start in those early days. So just talk me through how you educated yourself at, at that time. Sure. So we educated ourselves um, through reading lots of books, uh, interviewing thought leaders, um, attending conferences, through peer groups. Uh, so that was one of the more, I guess, formal ways of, of learning. But really just being on the front line and doing it day in, day out, taught us a heck of a lot. Uh, and whilst it seems like early days now, looking back, like back then it was 2005, it felt like we were late to the party. Like it felt like the internet had been around for quite a while. People had been blogging for a couple of years. Um, but really, like it was pre-Facebook, it was pretty much before um, LinkedIn got any sort of meaningful traction. It was before Twitter. It was right as YouTube started. So it really was early days. Uh, but it didn't feel it at the time. It's interesting, isn't it? Because you look back and you think, well, here's a question. What would you do differently? If you knew what you knew now, back in 2005, what would you do differently? Look, not a whole lot, to be honest. I mean, you know, you can always do things even better, obviously knowing what, what's literally coming. But to be honest, every part of the journey has been a necessary stepping stone for the next part, I would say. So even, you know, the mistakes and failures along the way, they teach you lessons and every stage of the journey has been the been an opportunity to go to the next level so look I wouldn't change too much to be honest I think it's been 
a fun journey. Some, some decisions we probably would have made a little bit sooner than we did. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they teach you. So, no, very comfortable with all the decisions that I've made. That's really great to hear. Now, you've got some pretty strong accolades here. You know, you've, you're Australia's number one business blog uh, well, you've had that. You, you're number seven LinkedIn expert in Asia Pacific. You're number nine on Entrepreneur Magazine's top marketing podcast. I mean, you've got some serious credentials there. Um, what what importance do you place on those sort of pieces of content in terms of driving your business? How important have they been? So like the social proof um, bits of content like you just mentioned there, Bernadette? Yeah, yeah. Look, they're, I mean, they're, they're really powerful. I mean, as, as you would um, teach your students, like having the social proof in various aspects, whether it's um, recognition in, in press or whether it's endorsements or testimonials from, from recognised names or companies, um, all of those things do carry weight. And so to actually be recognised in some of those platforms, I am grateful for and appreciate. And I do acknowledge that, yeah, they do, they do have social proof and, and that's, that's all part of the you know the the puzzle, especially with with copywriting and marketing and, and business in general, you need those those building blocks, I think, to make things um, run a bit smoother. Absolutely, and it's like Google Page One. You know, when people type in your name, you want to own that page. You want to have your Facebook, your Twitter, your LinkedIn, your website, your guest blogs. You know, you want to own that so that you control that narrative. So if if a new copyright <laughs> and that's actually what? and that's actually difficult when you've got an underwear model a rock star <laughs> and all these other people <laughs> called adam franklin <laughs> oh you're not the underwear model <laughs> no no sadly not sadly not but there is there is an underwear model who's who's whose pictures come up on a google image search um but yes it does make it even more important to try and assert yourself on that first page when there's lots of competing oh, people with the same name you never word to your mum about naming um <laughs> Which, yeah, interesting in terms of, that's a great point. So let's talk about if someone's listening, they're a copywriter looking to get started and they have the choice between creating a blog, let's say, or a LinkedIn profile or a marketing podcast. And let's say, where do they place their focus? Because they're often saying to me, what do I start with? Maybe their website, you know, what do you, what's the order of priority that people should be really focusing their attention on? Oh, good question. Look, LinkedIn is the fastest place to start and the easiest place to start, in my opinion, because if you compare that to setting up a blog or a podcast, they are excellent, but they take a little bit more to get started in as much as you've got to set up your WordPress blog or you've got to set up your podcast and submit it, you know, record it and submit it to all the um, podcast stations. So LinkedIn, you can literally sign up for an account flesh it out, populate it, um, hit publish, and you're off and racing. So I, I would think literally the starting point I feel should be LinkedIn, but as a long-term asset, you kind of, you definitely don't want to be entirely dependent on someone else's um, turf or land. You really want to own your own asset, and that's when writing a blog or having your own podcast is a, a better long-term, more reliable, safer option, I would say. I agree. I call it the mothership, you know, your own website that no one can take it down. And we've seen all these stories of people transgress some guideline that they maybe were aware of or weren't, and they wake up one morning, their entire account has been deleted. And you never want to have that kind of, well, we only have to look not that far ago when Facebook decided to delete some of the government pages. 
you know, in response to some kind of antagonistic government policy that they were disagreeing with. So, you know, when you base your entire business on uh, a third-party platform, it is risky. I mean, we all do it. We all need those those platforms, but to do it entirely, I think, is very risky. Absolutely. You have to really, as you say, look no further than what people call the most powerful person in the world, completely deplatformed. And if Trump had had like an email list or a blog, he may have been able to keep his 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 audience. But when you don't, and it's just it's just um, Twitter or it's Instagram or those platforms where you can be shut down from, it makes it awfully difficult if you don't create an asset that you own at the same time. That's really interesting, isn't it? Why didn't Trump keep an email list? Mm. Fascinating. I never even thought about that. It was the easiest thing in the world to do. And I think it's now so he's crazy. really trying to um, come back on that. You know, he's got a website up, I think, trying to raise some money, but maybe that was a good thing. He didn't have an email list. But <laughs> well, non-political. He it. It's <laughs> as non-political as purely from the marketing <laughs> lens. Absolutely. But had he, whilst he had all that attention Can you for imagine? years and years and years, he could have had an email list of millions of people, Yeah, which he could email with the click of a button. Um, yeah. But anyway, that's a lost opportunity. Yeah. As far as I can tell from an outsider looking in. So it just goes to show that no matter how powerful and popular you are, yes. things can happen and you can lose that if you're building it solely, as you say, on, yeah. on, borrowed, on borrowed land. Yeah, that's nice. So let's talk about LinkedIn, Adam, because this is your sweet spot. And if people were to want to know what you do, how do you actually help people? Because you've helped a lot of people build their LinkedIn profile with great success. The simplest way of putting it, um, Bernadette, is that I help people win new business through LinkedIn. Now, if there's a methodology at play there, there's a process to take people through. But basically, they will go through a process where them as a sort of real business and a real business person, um, where that's reflected online and they're putting their best foot forward and they have a system and a process to um, reach out to people, to build relationships, to know what to say and to do it all elegantly in a way that doesn't feel icky or pushy or unnatural to them or the people that they're talking to. And you know, it's funny because you and I are doing our own series, aren't we, through mm -hmm. our uh, copy club. Uh, so what, just for people listening, Adam and I have been creating a, a bunch of copy, uh, sorry, a bunch of um, training videos to help people step you through these these processes that Adam's talking about. And, and I'm learning a great deal from you because um you're streets ahead of what most people are doing but when we talked in our in our series it's funny isn't it that people sort of reach out and make a connection with someone and then they stop dead and it's the equivalent of being in at a cocktail party or a business event and you say hello to somebody and you tell them what you're doing and you just say nothing <laughs> and they kind of staring at you. <laughs> and these people are like what is wrong with this person you know they were very friendly at the beginning they're very informative and interesting and now nothing crickets so Talk us through why you think people sort of get a bit of a flurry going with their LinkedIn and they make requests, but then they do nothing after that. And, you know, I put myself in that boat to some degree, but why Why is this happening? Look, I think people are just a little bit scared or nervous of being that person. And we've all been on the receiving end of a really annoying, pushy, spammy person that um, has hit us up on, on LinkedIn and as soon as they've connected with us or as soon as we've accepted their request, they do this big sort of sales pitch or they bombard us with all these spammy messages. And we don't like it. It's off-putting. Um, and so we think, geez, if we actually start a conversation with a stranger, 
they're going to perceive us as being that LinkedIn spammy person. And it's not true, um, but that's what we feel and that's what's in our head. So we go, oh, I don't want to be annoying. So, and I don't actually know what to say. Um, so I'm just going to say nothing. And, <laughs> and that's it. And as you say, no one would ever forget how to talk to somebody at a, um, at a cocktail party or a business function or any, any place for that matter. So funny. So talk us through what mindset we need to have in order to make LinkedIn work for us to overcome that particular, um, you know, barrier that we have to, to having a conversation. Look, I mean, we've just got to remember that we're humans and they're humans and we're having a conversation. And if, if, um, if all else fails, like always keep in mind that if you show an interest in other people, they're much more likely to be interested in, in having a conversation. So instead of the mistake most people make, which is I've probably only got one chance of impressing Bernadette here. So I'm just going to tell her every single thing about me and my business and how I can help and all of this stuff. Um, instead of doing that, ask Bernadette a question and say, hey, nice to connect. I see you run this podcast called So You Want to Be a Copywriter. <laughs> I love the first episode. Um, how's life with you? And all of a sudden, it's a back and forth conversation and it's about them and you can talk like a human being and, and start from there. Mm, great. So as tell us a little bit about the strategy that you have. You've got a five-step strategy for nurturing, um, which is kind of a revelation to some people to think that there is a, a nurturing campaign that you can imply, you know, implement rather than just be this one-off, ad hoc, um, loosey-goosey kind of strategy. So talk us through the five stages. Sure. So, yeah, most, most people um, either like just go completely silent on LinkedIn or, or um, go all over the top and just try and convey everything in one hit. But really, it does just need to be a nurture process. And there's, there's five major steps. And it's not like when I explain it to you, it's going to make sense because it's what we do in normal conversations. Um, so the five stages are firstly, we need to actually connect with people. And in real life, this is where we actually say, um, hello, I'm Bernadette. Hey, nice to meet you. Or I'm Adam. Nice to meet you, Bernadette. We shake hands. We connect. Um, then what happens next is, is stage two. Um, that's where we start a conversation. So a conversation starter. And it doesn't need to be complicated. Um, it can be, how are you doing? <laughs> you know, just like in, in real life. But it could be, yeah, I do you have a podcast are you a copywriter as well um, how long have you been in business what brought you here to linkedin any type of conversation started just like it was in a real um, situation uh, and the third stage is determining if somebody has an interest so you know how sometimes you were having a conversation and and they just you know just absolutely they want to talk to you about um I don't know, like BMX bike riding, for example. And it's not the least bit interesting to you, but, but they just want to talk about it all the time. Well, that's not going to be very interesting for you. Um, so we need to work out, does this other person actually have the slightest bit of interest in the topic that is my specialty? And if they're not interested at all, well, you don't have to continue going down that path. You can either talk about stuff that they're interested in or let that conversation uh, fizzle out because all we're really looking to do is um, allow people to go on this journey with you 
at their own pace and they kind of opt in at each stage of the conversation. So if they're not interested, no problems. We're not here to convince them. We're just here to find the people who are already convinced and are already interested. Um, so stage three is determining if they have an interest. So for example, if you're a copywriter and you're chatting to somebody, you might say, have you ever written a blog article? Or have you ever considered um, hiring a writer? Something very loose like that, um, because they will that gives them the opportunity to say, yeah, you know what, I've dabbled in writing, it's pretty hard. <laughs> or yes, I've hired a copywriter before, I'm actually looking to hire somebody now. So determines if there's interest. Stage four, we want to allow people to really raise their hand firmly in the air. So by that, we're going from just a loose interest to look, I'm actually seriously interested in, in having a conversation about copywriting. I understand you're a copywriter, I could really use your help. And then the fifth stage is just transitioning to an actual sales conversation. Um, and that is the five steps. So that last stage, is it about getting them off LinkedIn and onto email? And in fact, is that what you'd recommend in general to try and move them onto a phone call or email? Look, definitely. This, this five-step process doesn't need to happen exclusively on LinkedIn. It's a process that typically would start on LinkedIn. But as the conversation progresses, it would be logical to move it to email or messenger or a phone conversation or a Zoom call, just because things can get lost pretty easily in the LinkedIn inbox. And it's a much more intimate, close relationship if you've got people on email or phone or Zoom. Um, so yeah, but certainly by the stage that, they're, that you're having a sales conversation, you'd take it well and truly off LinkedIn. Um, but the, the, these five steps, it, it correlates with know, like, and trust, and then qualifying them, and then essentially closing them or bringing them on as a client. And so um, you can get to know people on LinkedIn, get to like each other with a bit of conversation, and then you can look to move people off LinkedIn and onto yeah, email, phone, or Zoom. And I think what you've done so well, Adam, in, in our courses that we've been creating, are the spreadsheets. You know, yeah. so for people listening, what Adam's created is a spreadsheet. So for every stage of those five stages, there's a series of scripts that you can use and not just one script, but multiple scripts, because you might feel, you know, certain ones resonate with you more effectively. So for example, just for me, Adam, um, when people start a conversation with me, I'm pretty staunch on LinkedIn. I don't engage easily. You know, I have to see a direct correlation to my needs with their needs in order to have that con chat. But one thing that I know works for me is <laughs> I'm so susceptible to praise, but people say, um, I read your book you know, loved it, just wanted to connect, listen to your podcast, loved it, wanted to connect. I don't actually need a lot. You know, I'm, I'm like a little dog. <laughs> I just need a little morsel, a little bit of kibble going, I liked it, you know, and I'm in. And, but you know what it just does to me? It makes me think, well, they've taken the time to watch, read or listen to something, you know, and that's important to me. If it's just this random cold call thing, it doesn't work. But you know, all, I guess what I'm trying to say is for people and they have their own needs as to how they respond. But for me, I just need a little bit of tailoring that I know that they've made it for me and then I'm, I'm all theirs. Absolutely. And that's one of the best ways to connect with anybody is to find something. And you can find it on their LinkedIn or a Google search nearly always. 
something that you admire about them or something that you can find that you appreciate or recognize and just let them know. And it's very hard for people to turn down or not to be you know, positively impacted by flattery or praise as long as it is sincere. Because sometimes you people, if you follow the script, some sometimes people say, "I really love your blog," and you can tell it's a copy and paste because they haven't taken the time to actually identify specific parts of it. Or maybe you don't but have a blog. Just, or maybe you don't have a blog. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it does have to be sincere and real. Like if you actually name the title of your book or your podcast, or yes, find something specific that you truly admire about them or that you like, or do you, even if you just listen to it. Hey, I saw your book was on the on, when I was walking past the book shop the other day. I yeah. put it down as a book that I'd love to read sometime. I just don't have the time at the moment, but just wanted to connect. That <laughs> won't work yeah. for me. <laughs> they need to have read it for Bernadette. Cover to cover. <laughs> and then you quiz them just to make sure they're not fibbing. So what happened on page twenty? <laughs> yeah, prove it. <laughs> so, and talk to me about. Um, um, Alison Dunn is one of my students um, and she completed one of our courses through the Australian Writers' Centre and she um, she also did some work with you, you know, and, and one of the courses that we ran and she had quite incredible success, you know, and in fact there's actually a podcast dedicated to Alison because we really like to celebrate the success stories when people do things that work. So if you're interested, you can listen to Alison Dunn's podcast, but you work with her. Just talk us through what you talked to her about and what she did? Because I know it wasn't major stuff. It was, it was kind of small things, but she did them consistently. That's right. I mean, the st stage one of this whole process is to optimise your LinkedIn profile so that, you know, you wouldn't turn up to a, a business function or a work meeting in your pyjamas. Um, but people often have LinkedIn profiles that, that aren't representative of, of who they are, um, especially right now. Hang I'm on, not I, saying I, I am. I am. <laughs> I am in my pajamas. <laughs> <laughs> well, lucky we're on a Zoom, a virtual. <laughs> That's another story. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. But say in person, you would put us in yes. pajamas. Yeah. Uh -huh. And I should actually flag ads that um, Alison Dunn turned her profile into a $30,000 writing contract, you know, within a very short space of time. So just to clarify what she actually achieved was incredible. Mm. So, let, so she optimised her profile. Yeah. Yeah. So she she wasn't on, on the profile, as she tells in her story in her podcast as well, but she hadn't actually let people know that she was a freelance writer. And just by changing that on her headline and updating her profile to truly reflect the nature of the work that she was in now, and that she transitioned from her previous um, roles and that she was now out on her own writing as a freelance marketing, writing as a freelance um, copywriter and marketing consultant. So she did that as part of optimizing the process, which is stage one. And then stage two is actually um, looking at the low hanging fruit in your network. So people that already um, know you or that you're already connected with. Um, and actually working out who in this network of people that I might like to work with and having a process to just simply reconnect with those people and message them privately or comment or like their posts publicly just so that you're back on their radar. And by simply doing that activity and with the updated and optimised profile, when she 
leaves comments and likes other people's um, posts, they naturally see her name and they see her headline and they go, oh, Alison's actually freelancing. I didn't realize that. Are you available for some for some work? So that activity and that uh, of optimizing the profile and reaching out to people allowed people to join the dots and go, all right, I didn't realize this. And yeah, she got hired for, a, I think she said a 30 grand piece of work. So, um, and that's just the first two steps of the, of the methodology. There's, 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 <laughs> there's a whole process beyond that, but you can see, you can just literally start with the first couple of steps and results can happen um, as quickly as in her case, I think it was three weeks. Yeah, incredible. And look, yeah. people listening, they only have to look at your profile, Adam, to know what a great profile looks like because what what you do so well on yours is it's all optimised for generating leads. You know, you don't beat around the bush. It's very respectful. It's very elegant. But it's very clear that you give a lot of value and you give people lots of opportunity to connect with you. So if people listening do want to um, know what Adam does so well and why he's so good at this, just check out his profile. Because I say to everybody, just check out Adam's profile and you, you know what path you should be going down. So maybe in wrapping up ads, what would you like people to do to get in touch with you and how can you help people if they're interested? Definitely. Thanks, Bernadette. So connecting on LinkedIn is a great starting point. Um, ideally, just write a, to add a note to the request saying, I heard you on Bernadette's podcast. That would be really cool. Um, that's one way. And I do have lots of free LinkedIn and marketing templates, which is a great starting point. So if you want to download those, just head to bluewiremedia.com.au and on my on the front page of my website, there's a button that says download my um, web strategy planning template and that will actually unlock all of the marketing templates and LinkedIn templates that I've got. So yeah, just head there if you want to get your hands on some, some useful marketing templates. Beautiful. Adam, it's always a pleasure and fun to talk to you. Thank you for being my guest. Likewise, Bernadette. Thanks for having me. LinkedIn is just sitting there waiting for us to use it. And best of all, it's free. So maybe I'm hoping this podcast has given you the confidence to attack it with gusto. Give it a shot and maybe have a crack at tidying up your own profile, reaching out to some new people and even better, commenting on what other people are doing. Even that alone could make a massive difference. Thank you for listening. I'm Bernadette Schwert, and don't forget to check out copyclub.com.au, a fabulously supportive community for copywriters and digital marketers looking to fast track their business success. As always, I'll leave you with a writing quote and my joke of the day. And my tip of the day comes from Stephen King, no less. He said, I'm always chilled and astonished by the would-be writers who ask me for advice and admit quite blithely that they don't have time to read. This is like a guy starting up Mount Everest saying, he didn't have time to buy any rope or crampons. So Stephen's tip is, keep it simple and read a lot. And my joke of the day, I just watched this documentary on shipbuilding. It was riveting. Thank you. All the best and take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>